Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. And welcome back to the podcast. Yes, every couple of weeks I have the absolute pleasure of jumping into a studio with the one and only Shana Blaze, of course. She is an interior designer. She's an author. She's got some incredible books out there. A TV presenter and, of course, back on our screens is... One of the judges on the block very, very soon. Hello, Shana. Hi, Jane. Back again. I know. Look, things have progressed a couple of weeks ago. You know, we were talking about getting all of those skills under our belt whilst... Unfortunately, a lot of Victoria remains in lockdown, but in other parts of the country, people are embracing new skills and learning new techniques and getting new hobbies, which is all fantastic. Today on the show, though, I want to talk to you about bringing the outside in because I have recently been, well, I would say afflicted with an indoor plant addiction. Ah. (laughs) This has come via a family member, not looking at my little sister at all. She just started getting right into indoor plants. And I was sort of like, too much hassle, really more into the veggie garden, the outdoor plants. And then I just start noticing everywhere I go, how beautifully an indoor plant can complement design. Yeah. So let's talk about bringing the outside in. Perfect for this time when a lot of people are locked in their homes in Victoria. And also it's too cold to go outside anyway. That is very Mm. true. So where do you stand on indoor plants, Shana? Are you obviously just a yep, tick, houses full of them or need to use them sparingly? Oh, no, I love them. I think they're great and they are a good filler. Like we, we tend to sort of like think we have to, you know, put a, a chair in every corner or something like that or a lamp and, you know, sometimes a really big plant or, you know, a cluster of them can fill that corner just beautifully. Uh, I have to say I had a girlfriend in the 70s who, you know, we were end of primary school into high school and she had this monsteria and we know that they like to trail and that was her life's journey for 12 months was to see if she could get that monsteria all the way around the room. And I have such a vivid memory of that as a young girl, of this monsteria that went all the way and it finally connected and then it died. Oh, no. It finally connected. But then, (laughs) funnily enough, my daughter started doing it about a year ago and it just made me think of my girlfriend just going, wow, how things just don't change. a movie, I cannot remember which movie, but it was kind of along the lines of if you're looking for the love of your life, your love of your life, first you need to be able to look after a plant and then you might need to look after a pet. And then if you found the love of your life because you've proven that you can care for living things, hopefully yourself included, you find that partner, then you're allowed to have a baby. Once you've done an indoor plant, kept it alive for a couple of years and a puppy, then you can go for the baby because really for a lot of people, their indoor plants are their babies, their pets. Oh, I know. Look, <laughs> it, there's been a lot of science about, you know, talking to your plants and the energy that what you get out of your plants and the the plant gives back, talking to trees. So, yes, it can be friendly. It's, it's not like... Um, you know, little shop of horrors where it will end up eating you. So it is okay to love your plant. Uh, but, but I think the thing is with plants is that we went through a time where having a plant in a home was tacky. And that's when we were in that middleness stage when we were sort of like the, the 2000s and it was all vanilla and it was all, you know, sort of reds and coffees and things like that. And the only plants 
were there were fake. There was a lot of oh, fake plants. Because, dusty silk flower arrangement mm, in the corner. <laughs> absolutely. Whereas now we're back into really the big. And, and I, I will have to credit the fiddle leaf for really helping this come through that, you know, we were a bit sick of the basic palm and a bit sick of the basic ficus. And then all of a sudden the fiddle leaf came into our world and it expanded what we were doing. And then also our love for succulents. So succulents, again, were the nana plants oh, many, many so years nana. ago. In, in the 80s. and oh, yeah. They were part of the macrame section of hanging <laughs> within the macrame. And so I feel like the fiddle leaf uh, and the, the succulents, we have to thank you for the resurgence of our love. And because the fiddle leaf is a little bit fiddly, doesn't always work. Not everyone can can love it, but your succulents, succulents, how do you say succulents? Uh, very hard to kill. And if you're killing your succulents, maybe don't get that puppy. Exactly. <laughs> and don't have a child. <laughs> if you're killing your succulents, I would always say it's because you're overwatering them. Because... <laughs> exactly. They love to dry out, and you can get those little prickly ones, and then you can get you know the long trailing ones. And I think there's there's beautiful colours in your succulents, and you know we had terrariums trying to make a comeback. I'm saying trying, really <laughs> trying. And um, you know some of them are good, but I've got to say the the terrariums are probably my one that. I'm, I'm a, not no, into. Not into. Yeah. The only ones I liked were the ones where they had little miniature people in them as well and they had little woodland sceneries for kids, which I thought was quite cute. Yeah, and by terrarium we're talking about things that grow in an enclosed uh, glass usually yes. sphere or container, so they're almost like a little atmosphere into themselves. You're meant to be able to start them off and keep them going for years with no maintenance. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and not, the new ones aren't like that. Uh, but yeah, I have to say I'm a, a big convert to big big plants. I've got I've got fiddle leaves, I've got palms, I've got big monsterias, I've got a couple that I don't know what the names are and a couple that are just are prolific and it's like I can't kill them and it's fantastic. Wow, they're obviously happy where they are. Now, at what stage in the design process should you start thinking about plants? Do you have clients that come to you, perhaps they're building or moving and say, Shana, we want to do this, this and this, but we must be able to make room for Mr. Monsteria, who's been in our family for 20 years. Is that ever a scenario no, you encounter? I haven't encountered <laughs> that one, but I do, say, I, I do say people have had the comments of like, definitely we want the outdoors in yep. and we want to have that connection between inside and outside. But also, you know, we have had the garden wall, the green wall for a very long time. And there was, there was a stage where we were trying to introduce the green walls into our homes, into our bathrooms because there's a lot of steam in there and then into our kitchens, into our lounge rooms. And there's a lot of problems that come with that, like the upkeep of, of a green wall interior-wise is quite difficult. It's hard enough outside in the real terms. Mm. I've done quite a few green walls commercially and you have to get the experts in to do that because it is about drainage. It's, it is about soft filtered light. It's about grow lights. It is about... Uh, fertilising. So it's not easy to do a good green wall unless it is your focus and you love them and you want to give it full attention. So I don't see a lot of green walls at the moment. And would you 
sort of recommend to a client then maybe if you're sort of going down a road and thinking, well, they haven't actually got anything living in this room. I mean, we know about the benefits for air quality, let alone anything else. So would you encourage in that early design process or is it really something you only think about once you've done the bulk of your purchasing, most of the work in a room and even your soft furnishings are already there? Yeah, your plants come into the decor, your final touches and your look. And it's this is where you have to really have a think about where you're going to put these plants and the long-term effects of having the plants in the room. It's not just about the air quality. It's not just about the visual. It's about when you need to water them and the air quality of the heating and cooling, the window that it's going to be near. So there's a lot of thinking that you have to go through with your plants once you've got them in position and really sort of think about the type of plant for that corner, for that section. So there's a little bit more science that goes into that once you work out, I need a plant in that corner. Yeah. And in terms of selecting, do you go to a nursery yourself or do you, I mean, you've obviously got assistance sometimes on jobs. Do you say, look, I need a fiddle leaf. I want it to be this big to fill this room. And is it a case of having one great supplier or do you actually have to go and sort of cherry pick from different nurseries to get the plant you want? It's definitely cherry picking oh, because really? <laughs> absolutely because nurseries and also, you know, going into your hardware store and homeware stores, they get certain deliveries on certain days of the week. So I try to find out when they get the deliveries oh, and I'm really? there on that day. So I <laughs> so I get the new batch. So here's the drug. Well, I've got to tell you, I've just given away one of my tips. So if you see me fighting you off, I I know that you've stolen my tip of finding out when they get deliveries. And, you know, it it just depends on the nursery where they're grown, what stage they're going to be. Because it used to be a case of like you would know you'd get a a three-inch pot or a four-inch pot or an eight-inch pot and know sort of the height and size of what the plant would be. Not anymore. You can actually go, yeah, let's get let's get a four-inch pot and what it is and that will be a certain size. You might get the plant with one leaf or it might have ten leaves. So don't go by the size of the pot in your ordering to know that what size you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to cherry pick. You do get an idea. And sometimes you might go to about three or four nurseries or you might go to about three or four sort of hardware stores to get your greenery for exactly the look that you want. Now, there are certain types that will always do well, which we were talking about, which is your monsteria, your palms do very well, and sort of your ficus. Ficus you don't tend to see as much at the moment because they tend to dry out and aren't as on trend and architectural as what they used to be. But but definitely the height of the palm and the, the fiddle leaf and the monsteria are the ones that are the best that to, to utilise. And as much as, as dag as it sounds, get a very good little spray bottle because the air, especially in winter, will dry up the, the leaves and they, they take moisture from the air just as much as they do from the, the pot. From so the roots, yeah. Yeah, so spray your plants and then you won't have to overwater. And sometimes if you overwater, there, there gets a bit of fungus matter that's in the pot so they tend to sort of like have a bit of root rot because they've been overwatered. So, you know, you do have to take a little bit of a care and time and don't put them in the afternoon sun where it's burning. Make sure that it does get some sort of sunlight. If it's in the dark corner of the room, it's not going to survive. So maybe rotate your, your plants as well. So this is quite a big commitment, really, if you're going to do well, it Well, that, that movie was right. Make sure you get a plant and work out how you're going to look after it. And it's, it is it is one of those things your plants give back to you, so you've got to give back to. And, you know, if you've got a healthy, healthy plant in the room, it feels great. But if you've got one that's a little bit strangulated and dying, 
you feel miserable too. Yeah, it's not a great vibe, it's is it? It's not a great vibe. It's like you when when you walk past the bars of flowers and you go, I must empty that, and then every day it sort of wilts a bit more and then by the time it, the water's sliming, you, you think, why, why do I have flowers? I have to empty them. <laughs> now, when you're standing in that nursery that might be the third or fourth you've visited in an ideal world when we're not in lockdown... What are you looking about about the shape? So my sister mentioned that on some online sites you're paying per leaf. Say it's a you know it's a younger yeah. plant that you know is going to spread and grow. Yeah. So per leaf, but then there's a higher price put on ones that are really symmetrical. So it's got that perfect three leaves coming out, and then the next ones come out. So, you know, so wow, it's your not- your sister has a formula. I <laughs> I've got to say I go on I go on look. I go on, is that working? Isn't that working? And not, I, I've i got to say there aren't many that are fully symmetrical mm. and that's what I do love about plants and having that organic feel. What what I do tend to look for is where is the corner? So I have, I've, I've visualised and I know exactly where I want these plants to go. I don't buy the plants and then get them home and go, where are they going to go? So I know exactly when I have my measurements of where they're going to sit, the space that I've got in the floor plan. Then I have the height of of what I need and then Mm. I have the width. So sometimes you might actually have to get three plants to fill a space where one won't do it because it might have the height but it doesn't have the width and you might have one that has the width but not the height. So I tend to look at those three measurements so I'm working at where I need to fill that. What I also do look for is I actually inspect where the the leaves are coming from, whether it's a a stem or whether it's from the pot, and just see if there's new growth coming through. As I'm saying it, I'm feeling my little fingers just sort of just to making sure that is there buds there? Because it might be you get it home and it might be another six weeks before anything starts forming. But when you get this other one home that's got a little bit of like that really bright, bright green just at the base, it might start sprouting in the first Mm. two weeks. And then there's that huge sense of like, oh, I can grow this in my home. <laughs> so look for the potential in a plant as Absolutely. much as the reality of what it is right now. Exactly, exactly. So so always, always look at the size, shape and width that you need out of the plant and one may not just do all that for you. Now you, you spoke a moment ago about, you know, things aren't going right. If you start seeing mushrooms and things sprouting mm. in the bottom of a pot... I used to live in a share house and we're talking about probably 20 years ago now in the Adelaide Hills in a little place called Sterling, architecturally oh, architecturally designed, huge balcony, on, you know, a little river creek running through. We thought we were so fancy and it had this bizarre sort of lounge room with a, literally a garden behind glass as like a sort of little light vault or Oh, something. yeah, very popular. Oh, wonderful, there. except there was no way to access oh. this little spot. Look, maybe the landlord knew where to get into it. So we literally had this sort of beautiful, in theory, indoor garden that we couldn't get to, we couldn't water, couldn't remove all the manky moss and the mould and just ended up looking manky, I would Ooh. say. So is that something you've got to think about? Like how easy is it going to be to access for watering and especially green walls, things like that? Like yeah. there's logistics to think about, isn't there? And and there's also just in the simplicity of like your pots. So watering your pots, I, I, I have a, I'm not sure, a condenser, 
uh, dryer where mm-hmm. you actually have to empty the water because it's like an apartment it's type one. It's sucking it out. It's yep. sucking it out. And so I use that to water my plants. Oh. It's not the easiest thing to pour, so it splashes a little bit everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to make sure that you get that into a, a proper pot that you can actually pour the water in because it's one thing to have a dish under the plant. It's the other thing to actually miss the plant. <laughs> And sort of get everything around it. Yeah, yeah. So if you've got timber floorboards and if you've got uh, sort of vinyl plank floorboards, that's it, you can clean it up. But if you have carpet... That, that's a bit of an issue. So you've always got to look at your overwatering, going over the edge. But then also if you do have your trays underneath, if you're sort of – it's very dry when you're putting the water in, it goes straight to the yeah. tray underneath and it's spilling out the bottom before you even know it. So you're actually damaging the, the flooring that it's going into. So it, it is a case of that getting that fine line of not drying it out too much. Succulent's okay and you just put a little bit of – tiny bit of water in, that's, that's okay. But if you've got a palm, it's completely dried out and you go, God, I've got to give a bit – big drink, yep. you're actually spilling it all over the floor because it's gone straight through the soil. Yeah. Okay. So think about the logistics. Don't maybe uh, make an area that you can't access. I would highly recommend Yeah, that, that doesn't sound right to me <laughs> unless you're sort of getting, you know, a rope around your waist from the roof and, and going down that style. That's about the only way I can see you can do it. So where should we spend our money, Shana? Where Where is the good investment? Is it in lots of smaller plants or is it saving up and going, you know what, I'm going to have one incredible feature plant in this room. I'm going to spend a bit of cash on it. If you haven't done the tests first, don't spend a lot of money on your first plants. Oh, okay. So you're recommending I'm recommending if some. you don't have any and you haven't done this, start small with like a $12 or a $20 one and learn the watering techniques, what you know, dries out the positions and things like that, then build up to a couple. Then when you get the confidence, splash out in a big one. Uh, I I would really hate somebody to go out and spend like $150, which is pretty easy to do uh, for a fiddle leaf or a palm in your home and you've killed it within about four months and you go, that was a waste of money. So, you know, start off with a couple of small ones and then, then just see how you go. Get the confidence and, the, and then go for the big pieces. The big ones do make a beautiful impact. But I do have to say, just putting it out there, if you've spent $150 on a plant and it dies, uh, and not to say you should kill them, but it dies after, you know, 12 months, that's cheaper than getting a bunch of flowers every week. That's really true though, isn't it? So it does bring yeah. a lot to you. So don't think that, you know, if you can't make it last more than a year, um, you haven't failed. Mm. You've actually put all this beautiful green. I'm just coming from the heart. It's okay. You can't, but you know, try try and take your time and don't go for that big purchase straight away, or else you might set yourself up for failure and not do it again. And I really want people to have plants in the home because I think that they give you a lot. Well, you know, when you think of it in terms of budget, and I always equate things to how many meals of takeaway would that be? I mean, you can spend that easily in one week worth of just getting a few pizzas and some Chinese. So Absolutely. And all you've got is muffin top at the end of it and you feel (laughs) terrible. You are listening to Homestar with me, Jane Newell, and the wonderful Shana Blaze. It's all thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. We probably need to do a warning, though, that this is highly addictive. Because like I said at the top, I wasn't really into it, and then suddenly I've got plant envy, and now I've got my beady little eyes looking out all over the place for indoor plants. Guess what happened to me after I decided to get some into the home, Shana? Oh, what? Tell me about it. (laughs) 
A neighbour up the street had obviously given up on their indoor plants. So I went past on a walk just as they're putting them out. And I'm like, you have oh, a great neighbourhood. Oh, seriously. <laughs> well, there's never been so many people in it. It's normally empty during the day. And so I just said, oh, oh, did the plants not? And, you know, there was five pots worth at least 30 bucks each. Yeah. And a little bedraggled handful of plants. They're like, take it. I just have no success with these. Go for it. Took them home, started repotting. The poor things were rotten in the roots because they'd uh, been overwatered. So this yes. poor neighbour was thinking, I'm just really rubbish at looking yeah. after plants. It's like what you actually did was kill it with your kindness. Yes. But I repotted them. I trimmed off any leaves that didn't quite look, you know, great. And I stuck in some sword ferns that just grow rampant in my garden. And voila, there we go. So the point is you don't have to spend a lot of cash because mm. things like the monsterias, the devil's ivy, it is really easy to actually get cuttings and yes. propagations. So would you recommend that for people who maybe have proven they can keep a few alive to keep your radar out for people who might be getting rid of a plant or who, you know, are just like over it or just yeah, too many absolutely. But I have to, you know what, that really made me think about my dad. <laughs> yes. My dad used to like... Um, go for walks and then come home and empty his pockets with cuttings. What, not everyone does that? <laughs> he'd come back with a bit of ivy, he'd come back with a couple of bulbs, he'd come back with, you know, cutting of some. He would always knock on the door. No, no, actually I'm lying. He wouldn't always. He Look, would sometimes knock on the door. You should knock on the door. <laughs> you should knock on the door. But, yeah, that there's certain ones that I would actually look at propagating, like, that people, um, you can actually get cuttings as you're walking down the street and you don't have to ask for permission because it's just like a little bit of snip of ivy or a little snip of some other plant and you can just pop it in some water when you get home and you get the little roots and then you can plant it. So propagating is a little bit of fun and you feel a bit naughty, but at the same time, it, 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 it's good fun. Yeah, absolutely. And look, once again, it's the sort of thing that kids can do as well. And I highly recommend taking a pair of secretaires on a walk. And what I love about this too is that you get to know your neighbourhood. You get to know people. Like if you ask generally a gardener and say, oh, I can see a lovely, you know, nine times out of ten, I find people yeah. will always want to talk about their plants. Yes. And they will be so happy to share, if not cuttings or even seedlings, but at least their knowledge. It's it's a really yeah. sort of, it's a community of people who love plants, isn't it? I have it? to say there was there was a, a while ago where uh, a lot of people were, you know, there's lots of fruit trees in gardens and things like that. And it used to be down the laneways of like Fitzroy and Carlton and Hawthorne where a lot of the fruit trees were hanging over the laneways and it it literally is a rule that if it's hanging over the fence, you can have it. Common property. Common property. <laughs> you can have it. So don't underestimate going past something. Well, this isn't indoor. We're just teaching people how to, to In general forage. plant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can make jam. So maybe that's another thing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, indoor fruit trees are a bit uh, popular too. Or indoor Pumpkots. outdoors. Yes, lemons. Limes. And, and little dwarf plants too. I have to say that the indoor lemon plant, I did not know existed and it does. So oh. yes. Well, it's actually bred to be grown indoors. Yes. I found, the, I found it online in a, an American blog and she had this indoor lemon plant and I can't find it here, so I don't know whether she actually got it and made it because she was selling them in America and I thought, well, we've got to find it here and I can't. So if anyone knows that you can buy there's certain types of lemon plants that work indoors, can you please let me know because <laughs> it, it's just the cutest and it was fantastic. But I, my, my kids bought me a, a lemon tree for 
outside, like a, a, a propagating one. Great gift. Because Great. well, because they love they know I love mojitos. So <laughs> there you go. Practical. It's all about Shane's being practical. Drink of choice is the <laughs> with a little spritz of uh, a homegrown lemon. Yeah. Now, there are so many places on Instagram, especially, where you can get inspiration. So I would recommend jumping on and starting to follow people who obviously are into indoor plants. I'm going to recommend this week uh, checking out a guy called Hilton Carter. He's at Hilton Carter on Instagram. He's a plant and interior stylist, a creator of green interiors, author of Wild Interiors and Wild at Home, but he does propagation classes online. So better quality than what we were talking about (laughs) going around the neighbourhood stealing, and he actually does proper professional classes. I'd say we better listen to Hilton more than us. Look, so that is my follow of the week, but he has these wonderful sort of wall designs where, you know, if you do propagate your own plants, my laundry windowsill is full of little jars with things rooting and growing in them. He has these incredible wooden frames with basically like test tubes so that you can do your cuttings, but it looks beautiful in your apartment or your home while you're sort of propagating. So I sort of like that as well. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I think you've just hit on something follow of the week. Let's do it on all of ours, um, that you and I come in with a follow of the week. Absolutely, because there is nothing like scrolling through your Instagram feed and suddenly going down a rabbit hole of, you know, like I have done with indoor plants and just finding incredible people. Hey, Shana, we've got a little bit of time left. Do you reckon you're up for a question of the week? I'm ready and ready and waiting. <laughs> Without any notice whatsoever. This one is from Debbie in Montmorency. Now, Debbie asks you, Shana, Shana, I'm worried about my daughter. She was meant to finish year 12 this year and not looking great with the restrictions of COVID. She would love to be a designer. Do you have any advice? What should you be focusing on at the moment where you can't just go out and start doing hands-on courses? So if you've got a a design interest, you're stuck at home a bit. We talked in our last episode about brushing up on skills. Mm. Do you have any advice for Debbie? You know, tell us about your sort of career path. Well, when I started my design uh, career path, it was very hands-on in the fact of hand sketching. And that oh. is something I you can learn all these skills online. Like, you know, she if she wants to learn SketchUp online, she can do that. She'll be very savvy at doing something like that. But what I always teach and tell people that are coming up, hand drawing skills are so necessary and so needed, especially when you're sitting there with a client. You can just grab a pen and go, oh, I'm actually meaning this, or you've got a plan or an Mm. elevation sitting there and they don't like it. And you go, actually, what you can do is this, 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 and this. So having the skill of of a pencil to render, but also to learn one-point perspective and two-point perspective is just as important as 3D. Have a look at hand drawing of one-point perspective, two-point perspective, and your drawing skills of... What I would start to do is um, shadows. Mm. So one of the great things is learning a circle, like a ball, and doing the shadows. But also where does the shadow come from? And so it's like if there's a projector light on this point of the ball, where does the shadow go? And if there's a projection on this triangle, where does the shadow go? And they're just really simple skills that are actually very relaxing they're not stressful. So I think, you know, if you're stressed, you're not coping well at the moment. These are really good life skills for a designer, but also they're quite calming. It's almost, a, especially when you're doing shadows and grading, just with, all it is is with a lead pencil. 
Okay, so get some basic supplies, get some nice yeah. quality paper and some lead pencils and, mm. and go from there. And with everything, I'm assuming that you can learn the one point, two point perspective kind yeah. of approach online? Just absolutely. Just have a look at what is one point perspective for interiors, what is two point perspective and just start with boxes, rectangles, circles and cones and you'll be able to get the light and the shade and that actually tells you, like, especially when you're doing boxes that, you know, when you're going into interiors of like, you know, west facing, south facing, where does the, where does the light hit and where do the mm. shadows hit? So that is just something that is practical that will keep you going for the rest of your career. Wow. It's so interesting that you say that, like going back to these really basic skills. Mm. When did you have to start incorporating, say, computer programs into your practice? Oh, Jane, it was so depressing. <laughs> this, this is like, I actually... I had a break from interior design because my kids were little and I went into singing and then I came back after five years and I was so embarrassed. I was a dinosaur because there was no, there was no, CAD wasn't accessible when I was first in interior design. CAD is a design program that's really expensive from what I understand. It's not too bad now. It used to be. It used to be very expensive. Uh, Learning it is quite difficult. It's it's a lot of brain work and the trouble is with CAD, people think once you draw it with CAD, you know how to build something. You know how to build zero. You just know how to put lines together. So mm. life skills are, will help you with CAD. CAD is an electronic program. You don't know construction just by learning how to do CAD. So when I started learning CAD was when I came back into the second breath of my career when I had to actually start doing CAD or I would never get a job. Wow. So technology does Rapidly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's all about upskilling. I, I had to do it on a, on a need basis, but in the meantime, be by the time I was trying to get my skills up in CAD, what kept me going was my painting skills. So my painting, my sketching, I was actually doing commissioned artwork. So while I was actually selling commissioned artwork, I was upskilling on the CAD so I could get back into full design. That's so inspiring, Shana. I think especially at this point in history, you know, to think that there's always going to be something new to learn. Yeah. There's always going to be something you can do even behind the scenes. Like you say, you're focusing on something else just to pay the bills. Yeah. But you can upskill on the side. So Debbie and Montmorency, I really hope that that has helped you out. I think there's some great points there. Look, don't waste the time that we are stuck in lockdown. Get your daughter to pick up the pencil and start from the basics. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it's very cheap. And if you would like to ask Shana a question, you can head to her Instagram at Shana Blaze and we are going to try and answer a couple of your questions every few weeks here on Homestyle. Shana, best of luck. Of course, we've got uh, the block coming up very, very soon. Very soon. <laughs> I think it's so exciting. What And talk about sort of in strange conditions, you know, we, we shut down for COVID halfway through finish the series a week before lockdown again in Melbourne. So by the skin of their teeth. But I've got to say the creativity and the ingenuity of these couples will just make people smile. I'm really, really proud of this one. Can't wait to see you back on our TV screens. You have been with me, Jane Yield, and Shana Blaze. We will catch you again in a couple of weeks' time for Homestyle, thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. You can give them a call and their customer solutions team based right here in Melbourne will help you out. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today.
If you enjoyed Homestyle with Shana Blaze, then check out the other podcasts in the Red Energy Lifestyle series. For all things gardening and DIY, enjoy the sport of gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. Compost is on trend at the moment. It is uh, <laughs> it is as cool as a hairstyle by Dustin Martin, I can tell you. Born and bred in Melbourne, that's Red Energy. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze, part of Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series. Available on your favourite podcast platform and the SEN app.